Welcome to Impact and Freedom with your host, Jason Feldman. Welcome to Impact and Freedom. I'm Jason Feldman, and today I am so excited because I'm here with Eric Fries, owner and founder of Stage 3 Financial. Eric saw a need for people needing help uh, in, with financial freedom. Uh, his friends who were making six figure plus salaries were living paycheck to paycheck, and he wants to provide help to those in need. He's also been able to grow his Twitter following to around 40,000 followers in six months, and he helps teach others do the same. So, Eric, welcome. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's been <laughs> I almost flubbed to be here. that intro again. <laughs> Take two. So, cool. Um, so, tell me, Eric, what inspired you to um, – kind of you you've worked a a nine to five for so long uh very successful in what you've done but now you're kind of going out into the internet world what got you into doing that tell us your origin story yes i mean a lot of it has to do with just you know the desire for freedom you know i I worked a nine to five and you kind of get tired of having to ask your boss for time off and you know wanting to you know got little kids that are growing want to see them grow be able to participate with them more so Started yeah. looking kind of in the online space and saw a bunch of people being very successful. And I think that's but the first part of it. I think the second part of it is just, you know, finding something that's fulfilling. I mean, my nine to five is great. I love what I do. It's challenging, but you know, at some point, you know, helping, you know, large companies sell more widgets isn't as fulfilling as helping someone, you know, get out of dire straits with their finances and, and you know, make a generational impact. And that's kind of my goal with stationary finance and you know, what I'm doing on Twitter and, you know, what I'm ultimately going to do with courses and, and other products as I, I release them is try to you know help make those generational impacts and families and help people get out of you know bad bad situations and into you know that that path to freedom. Love it, love it. So tell me about your family. Yeah, so I married for nearly 13 years now. Oh, <laughs> coming cool. up on 13 years, so lucky number 13, right? Um, nice. Yeah, and I got two little two little kids. I've got a seven year old boy um going on 17 and then a four-year-old girl going on 16 so you know it's wow it's busy busy household but you know yes i love it it's a lot of fun so when did you when was that first moment that you realized man i i need to do something differently because i just need a lifestyle change i mean i think a lot of it honestly goes back several years i mean probably four years ago five years ago um went through a situation with a job where there were budget cuts. My position was eliminated and that kind of sparked the, the interest in my head, got me looking into it. But, you know, like life, you know, if life goes on, you find something new and you get busy with life and kind of put that on the back burner. And I think it was really just, you know, a lot of different stuff going on at work and different stuff going on with family and watching the kids grow faster than I like to see them grow, you know, mm-hmm. deciding that it's time to take action. I mean, I can, I can sit here and think about it and dream about it, but if I don't take action, it's never going to happen. So I've actually got a quote on the bottom of my monitor here that says a year from now, you'll wish you had started today. And I look at that every day and I hate to admit, I've probably looked at that for several years now and it's finally, you know, sinking in. And so January this year is when I jumped on that path and it's been an adventure ever since a lot of fun. It's funny. That's, I mean, that's how a lot of us are with, with getting into anything, even the project that I'm doing right now was, you know, it took me a, a good year and a half from when I, Knew that I should do this, but when I 
took action was like over a year later, you know? And it's that same thing. It's like seeing the, you know, I wrote a note and like, oh, I have my list of notes and stuff, but like taking action sometimes it does. It's like your brain, like you're thinking about it and you're priming yourself and you're getting, and you're keep getting closer and closer. Then all of a sudden you're like, I got to do this. Um, what, what were some of the people that you saw doing this that gave you the inspiration? I mean, I've got a good friend. Um, he's had a podcast for years, um, moved with his family to Costa Rica. I mean, living pretty much financially free there. So that was kind of that first inspiration that kind of got me thinking about it. And then just digging into the online space. I mean, you know, got into Russell Brunson, a lot of his his stuff on ClickFunnels and the stories that you see from people being really successful with that. And yeah. you know, some of that stuff. And then, you know, as I dived into Twitter, I actually, I think, you know, started, started down the path of starting a blog and had a, actually this friend that's now living in Costa Rica kind of s- suggested that while a blog's a great way to, you know, get started, it's not the best way because you'll write to your mom and your brother and your sister for two years and then you'll finally start to build an audience. So he suggested right. getting on Twitter and going where there was an audience and then, you know, writing, just putting stuff out there and, um, you know, took a second to get over the resistance towards, towards doing that. But once I did, I realized that, you know, one, Twitter's pretty forgiving in the sense that, I mean, it flies by so fast. I mean, if if you have a flub or a failure, it's gone. People have forgotten about it long, long before, you know, anybody's going to give you a hard time about it. So it's been a pretty forgiving platform and just been able to network and meet a lot of really cool people like you, Jason. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Twitter is one of those, like, it's almost like the underdog. It, it, well, in my eyes, I mean, who, who knows? Maybe I'm totally wrong, but like kind of the underdog, like, not as cool thing on and then the last few years it's become the mouthpiece for like a younger generation that's also it's, it was almost like the older generation it was one of the first social media platforms and then the there's like this period of like eh, whatever and then now there's like this younger generation there's a lot of um a lot of listeners and it's like a direct mouthpiece to to, to somebody like for some reason it's like the honesty of just it being so simple. Yep. No, I agree. And, I mean, and it's, it's such, I mean, people's attention spans so short these days. It's, right. I mean, it's gives you a lot of, a lot of opportunity to write different ways and, and, and see what works and test different mediums and, and, and methods and, you know, yep. listen to the signal. And if you get signal, you can dig in deeper, but yeah. And I mean, to your point, I mean, I've been on Twitter personally for, I mean, probably 12, 13 years, but right. I was always just a kind of a consumer and really, I mean, I mean, I don't want to get political, but, you know, during some of the election stuff, I mean, I really got a bad taste in my mouth. It's just, yes. you know, is, this, is this really a platform where I want to be? It seems really toxic. And you know, that right. was a big hesitation for me jumping in. I didn't didn't want to get in because I'm like, oh, this is a really toxic environment. Kind of had that negative perspective on that and just social media in general. And as I dove in, I've really found a whole other side to Twitter that's, you know, got a lot of really great content, a lot of really great creators that are trying to do do good in this world. So it's been, been fun getting to meet those people and, and work with those people. So that is so funny that you said that about the political side, like the yeah, you, you hear so much around the interwebs and everything, you know, during the political races and it's all, you know, texting and with, with Twitter and it, yeah, it kind of put that weird taste in my mouth as well. But um, there's so many awesome people that, that give great, advice and that it's fun to just, you know, see what their tweets are for the day. And it, it's a really cool platform. Um, so prior, so prior to this year doing this, how many Twitter followers did you have? 
Uh, personally, I mean like 12, 15, you know, but January, I opened my, my new account, my state street finance account on January 3rd. And I had, I started with a brand new account with zero followers. So, wow. Um, yeah. So I'm up to like 38,700 something right now. And it's been quite a journey to get there, but I, so cool. So cool. What were some of the first steps that you took? Uh, first, I mean, honestly, some, someone suggested a, a course or a, I guess a cohort kind of based collaborative environment called um, Ship 30 for 30, which is just a digital writing course. And the whole concept is you write, you know, these micro essays, um, atomic essays, they call them, you know, one a day for 30 days. And they're just like 200 word little essays. And really, that was just kind of getting me over the fear of writing and putting stuff out there. And, and you realize that, you know, one, you first you write to nobody. So, I mean, you're just writing in a public forum where no one's looking at it. You don't get any views. And then as you build up people that start to read your stuff and you start to get those views, but it's just kind of building that habit, that writing habit, which was, I've always enjoyed writing, but just never thought about writing publicly. So, um, so yeah, jumped into that. That was a really great cohort. Um, and kind of tied into that. I met a bunch of people that were, were doing, launching a new cohort called, um, Twitter growth community. It's, there's three creators that are kind of in that financial space that we're launching a, you know, a course more on like how to write on Twitter, how to write threads, how to write tweets, how to, you know, do it in a form that helps you build an audience, helps you, you know, grow a following, helps you, you know, get raving fans instead of just followers. So um, did that. And that kind of got me through February. Um, But, you know, being the type of, you know, competitive person I was, I, you know, I think I ended up with 200 168 followers at the end of that and grew a little bit more from there, but, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't happy with that pace, wanted to pick up the pace a little bit. So met a, met a person through that, that kind of got me into Twitter ads and um, leveraged Twitter follower ads and just continued daily content creation to, to grow from that 238 followers at the beginning of March to where I'm at today. Crazy, crazy. So, um, what were some of the, what, like, and I, and I know you said two, what was it? Two, 200 a day. Uh, at two, word essays. Yeah. There, so 200 word essays and then you did 30 of them one a day for 30 days. Um, and so how, how long is that in a, how do you post that tweet? So the, it's the, the founders of that, that program have their own software platform that allows you to base it. It goes into like an image. So you paste an image with that essay in the image. So gotcha. it goes in as media. So you get around some of those word restrictions, those character restrictions and Crazy. And what are some of the nuances of Twitter that um, that are different from other platforms? I, I mean, I, I've not written on a lot of other platforms, just personally, you know, written stuff. But I think it's just the need to be efficient with what you say. I mean, when you've got 280 characters and if you build a thread, you can you know, obviously go beyond that 280 characters. But still, I mean, you want to be as efficient with your word structures. You don't want to add words that aren't necessary or, or just fluff. So it. That was, I mean, the, the 200 word essays and that, that helped a lot with that. Cause it wasn't going from, you know, normal long form writing to just 280 characters right away. It kind of gave you an right. opportunity to, to be a little bit more verbose, but even with 200 words, you're still, you're still having to really cut down to carry a message. So, yeah. Ah, so cool. What and so what was some of the biggest like turning points that, that made the biggest impact on your growth? I mean, I think just consistency and that's like anything. I mean, I, I, I shared 
on my Twitter, but I mean, I, I run every day. I mean, I do at least a mile run every day and I've done that for over four years. And I think just like that consistency, you know, over time leads to good results. And I think that applies to anything, whether it's writing, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, podcasting or you know, just creating in general, I think just showing up every day, whether you want to or not, and, and just putting in the reps. I mean, they're not going to be perfect, <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's better to me. It's, you know, messy action is better than, you know, perfect inaction. So the the take I've, you know, approached us with and there's days I don't want to write, but I get up and do it anyways. And, you know, and those tend to sometimes be my better days of writing, which is kind of funny. What is the common thread of all of your most, uh, successful tweets and retweets? Um, I think it kind of depends on your perspective. I mean, if, if you're saying successful with, you know, kind of the vanity metrics, like impressions and likes, I, I think a lot of it just around, I mean, not platitudes and I mean, a little bit more verbose than a platitude, but just like around budgeting and like success, that kind of stuff. You know, the metric I t- tend to look at a little bit more than likes and impressions is the profile clicks. Cause really profile clicks are people that have read what you like and they've, they've dug a little deeper by actually clicking into your profile and seeing what you're about. Um, and that's, from my perspective, where you get followers, if they're willing to go that deep, you know, you're more likely to follow that way. Um, but the content that does well there is just personal content stories. You know, I've, I wrote a, a thread, a long form thread about, you know, a half marathon I recently did and just like taking lessons from training and, and running a race and applying that to, to personal finances and just kind of the, the similarities or parallels there. And that one, you know, one sharing that personal story, but also sharing that kind of finance message did really well as far as, you know, profile clicks. So, um, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it is crazy how, when you do post more or talk about more personal stuff, it really does create a connection with, with people. Yeah. And, um, and those don't tend to do as well with, you know, like the, the vanity metrics, like likes and impressions, but yeah, you know, I think when you see those profile clicks, that to me kind of is a signal that people are resonating people are connecting and, you know, I need to do more of that. So. What, um, like when, so when you approach talking about your personal life, like how, how have you approached that in your writing? Cause I, that can be tough for people. Yeah, that, that has been tough for me. I mean, I, I'm starting to be a little bit more open with it. I think, you know, in some sense, I, I've wanted to kind of remain a little bit more anonymous, which I'm starting to realize that, you know, you can do some great things with anonymous accounts, but. I think for personal finance and, and building those relationships that are going to lead to, you know, good coaching clients or good, you know, you know, people that want to, that resonate with what I'm putting out there and want to, you know, purchase a course or do something from me, you've got to put that personal message out there. So I'm still a little bit, you know, cautious about how I, you know, how much detail I share about, you know, my kids and my wife and all of that. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I've got plenty of stories that are just about me, you know, whether it's, you know, my, my college football days or running or, you know, just dumb things I've done that, you know, other people can learn from. I, I'm, I'm being a lot more open to sharing those types of stories. And then hopefully, you know, people can relate to that. And that opens up doors for yeah. connections and follows and future relationships. Cool. What, what are, what are, so like, if I was, if I wanted to grow in a quick period of time, what are, what are the top three to five things that you would tell me to do? I think first, I mean, if you're starting from zero, I think networking is, I mean, it's a social platform and, and I, I don't think I realized the value of that until, you know, I did the Twitter growth community and that was one of the things they really would push 
is, you know, you've got to get in, drop, jump into people's DMs, you know, find people that are like size that you can, you know, you know, work with that, you know, you relate to, you like their stuff, you know, just reach out to them, build those connections, jump out of the off platform into zoom. I mean, the number of zoom sessions I've done with just other creators, I mean, just talking about, you know, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish with Twitter? You know, if, you know what do you like about it? What do you don't like about it? You know, what are your struggles? That kind of stuff. I mean, those open up a lot of doors for just relationships and building relationships, collaborations, um, just engaging with larger accounts. I think that's pretty common, you know, advice that a lot of people talk about, but you know, you may not get a, a retweet or a comment back from that creator, but just putting a, a comment in that is a valuable comment, not just a platitude or a, you know, thumbs up or a hundred percent, you know, emoji, you know, right. There's, there's going to be other people that see that that are going to say, Oh, you know, what's this guy doing or this gal doing? And you know, I like that message. Let me dig in deeper. And, you know, honestly, early on, I mean, some of the stuff, <laughs> I got more impressions from some of my comments on some larger accounts than I did for my own content, which was a little deflating at first, but then when you realize that, you know, that's kind of how you got to play the game, it, it, it encourages you to do that more. But, and then, I mean, lastly, the, the thing that, you know, helped me a lot was just Twitter ads. Um, Twitter has a, a campaign called a follower campaign that allows you to you know, put out your content, you know, at a, a small cost and, and get follows that way. And that's been a huge, huge growth mechanism, but I don't think you can do that just by itself with, and, and build a, a following that's going to engage. You've got to continue to put out good content. You've got to continue to, you know, do all the things I just mentioned, like engage with like size accounts, engage with large accounts, but, but yeah, ads is a, is a great growth mechanism. And I mean, I, it's probably an open secret, but it, you know, a lot of people pay for retweets or pay for engagement from larger accounts. And, you know, I, I see Twitter ads is kind of akin to doing that. I mean, it's really no different except for the fact it's, it's sanctioned by Twitter and, you know, you only pay when you get a follow. So it, it helps you know, and you grow just like a paid retweet, but at least there's some guarantees there. So crazy. It, it's so great. Like tw- the Twitter, yeah, Twitter's just so crazy to me. I'm so used to Facebook or, or Instagram that are so overly saturated when it comes to ads and stuff. It's, it, I know you shared a little bit with uh, how many, how much were you getting a, a follower for? It depends. I mean, there's, I mean, I've taken two different approaches. I mean, there's a growth approach where you just go after global audiences and, and you can get follows for less than a penny. I mean, I've, you know, my average follow across the, and I've actually honestly shut off ads right now just because yeah. you know, I got to a point where I was happy with where I'm at and just want to continue to grow organically. But yeah, I was getting them for under, you know, like 0.06 cents or something like that. I mean, it's, it's pretty inexpensive. That is and if crazy. You're, if you're going for like a, you know, high income country, like us, UK, those types of countries, I mean, you're looking at like 18, 20 cents for a, a pretty solid follow. If you're, wow. if you're doing things right, I mean, it's easy to get in there and not know what you're doing and spend two, three, four, five, eight dollars for a follow. But, you know, like I said there's, there's, there's secrets and tricks that you can, you can do to drive that down. But, cool. And that's what you teach other people. Exactly. Having... That's, I mean, I've, I'm actually in the process. I, I've done one-on-one coaching for the last about three months, um, helping people grow their own accounts. Um, I, I'm actually in the process of building an online course that I'm planning to just hopefully put out in the next few weeks if I can just get my, my schedule aligned. But cool. that, that's the goal is, you know, how, how to grow with Twitter follower ads and, and, you know, the tips and tricks and just best practices to do that successfully and inexpensively. So Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk about stage three, three financial. How, how did you, um, what was, 
talk a little bit more of the inspiration, maybe a few of the conversations that really led to starting that? Yeah, I mean, really, it, it stemmed from one conversation with a coworker. I mean, I you know work in, in large tech, and I, I mean, I, I'm assuming that this person's making you know multiple six figures in their their role, and I mean, they were having a hard day, and I just asked, hey, what's going on? How are things going? You know, indicated that, you know I'm struggling to pay this bill or that bill, or I, I don't remember the exact details, but I mean, I led to a deeper conversation and realized that you know, wow, he's really you know, effectively living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, I started doing some research and was stunned by some of the statistics, you know, on the number of people that are making 150,000 plus a year that are, I mean, just getting by. And I, I mean, that to me blows my mind because it, it shouldn't be that way in a, in a country, right. you know, that, you know, that has this much wealth, but so that, that really inspired me to, to dig in a little bit deeper and try to figure out ways to, you know, to help those people. And, uh, so the, the concept of stage three finance, stage three is based on a, a three-stage rocket. I don't know, kind of being an engineer and a nerd, I, I've always enjoyed space and, and rocketry and, you know, kind of built a framework around that where, you know, stage zero is really kind of that planning phase where you get mindset and your goals nailed down. Because I think without the right mindset, you know, mindset's 90% of winning with your money. I mean, the, being an engineer, the math is seems pretty easy, but, you know, if you don't get the mindset right, you're not going to be successful. So, so yeah, so that stage one is kind of that plan phase where you get your goals set, you you know, do visualizations and affirmations and kind of build your mindset and get it right. Then that goes into that stage one, which is you're at the launch pad, you're, you know, getting that rocket off the ground. And that's, you know, very often, you know, you're taking a stationary object and trying to get it into, into motion and that it takes a lot of energy and effort. So that's really where you build those habits, those financial habits, like budgeting, you know, debt repayment, um, basic investing, you know, you know, checking in on your goals and you're doing weekly reviews, weekly meetings, that kind of stuff. Um, so building those habits is kind of that, that part of that stage one. And then stage two is really what we call ascend. So you've, you've launched, you got the rocket going, you break off. Hopefully you've got your debt reduced. Um, that's where you start to build additional streams of income. Um, I mean, the average millionaire millionaire has what seven streams of income. So I mean, trying to do it with just a nine to five is not going to get you there. So kind of concept around stage two is, you know, jumping into the online space and building digital products or, you know, finding other ways to generate revenue, whether it be through real estate. You know, I'm not a real estate specialist, but, you know, that's definitely a way you can be successful. So um, and then stage three, I mean, the concept there is you've reached that freedom stage and, you know, that's different for everybody. I mean, I, I think you know, that could be $10 million for someone. It could be a million dollars for someone else, but it's, it's knowing what that number is, knowing what your expenses are and getting to the point where your passive, you know, cash flow or income is covering your daily expenses. And you can really choose to continue working that nine to five, or you can walk away from that nine to five and, you know, chase other opportunities or goals. So. Love it. Yeah. It's so funny too. Like when you talk about, you know, freedom and, financial freedom. One of the things that like not a lot of people talk about is like time freedom too, you know, like, or, you know, or, you know, you have kids and your father and the freedom to be able to take your kids somewhere. Um, Yeah. So like the monetary side, it might be lower so that you could do those other things or, or, or whatever it may be, but like, it's really just getting clear on what freedom is for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. And that's the thing. I mean, I, to me, I mean, financial freedom is time freedom. It's, it's having that time. Cause I mean, I can always make more money, but I can't make more time. So if I can have that time to spend with my family and 
create memories, you know, I, that's, that's of way more value than, than any amount of money that I could generate. So, you know, yeah. but again, I mean, that that's my definition. That's, you know, where I come from, that might be different for you. That might be different from someone else, but getting clear on that definition and, and working towards that and setting those goals and, you know, following up on those goals. It's what's important. So. It is funny, like the older you get, and especially I know your kids are older than mine, but it's just, it goes by so fast. Like you don't realize, like when, before I had a baby, you think like, oh, you have a baby, right? But you have a baby for like this much time, like very little time. Like it's it's like yeah. they're walking at one. So then you have a, almost a toddler at one. Yeah. So like the baby phase is so short, but the first three months you're like, this is never going to end. It's never going to end. Know? Exactly. <laughs> But you, you forget about it and, you know, the horrible things that come along with that. And then you have another one, right? <laughs> yeah. I did that. And then the fourth time, like after yeah. the fourth time, I'm like, I remember, I remember, I can't, that I'm 43 now, almost 44. And it's like, I'm not, there's no way I could do those nights again. My kids were horrible sleepers. So yeah, we, we got blessed with two good sleepers, but still, I mean, oh, it's, good. it's, it's a lot. It's, a, it's lot. a lot. I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world, but it is it is a lot. It's funny. I mean, you say that and my wife is she does a an annual family photo book that she does for the, the moms and then she does one for herself. So she makes three of them. So she prints off hundreds of digital pictures. I mean to the point where the guy at at the Photoshop wasn't gonna run her order because he was afraid that she'd try to dump her entire photo reel from her phone and <laughs> made a mistake. Um, That's so good. But she was just working on that this week. I mean actually last night I, I went in and she was like like looking at all these pictures and like almost sobbing just because of how quickly they're growing up and you know, it's, they're going to be gone, you know, out of the house before long. So it's it just that crazy. realization and just, you know, keeping that front of mind. Cause it's, I mean, you get 18 summers, right. And then they're off. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. And it's so crazy too. Cause it, that's such a short window. And then the role of the parent totally changes. Like you're in the back seat, you become the grandparent or the, the one that's like, now they're having a relationship and they're, you know, they're doing their own thing, planning their own Christmases. And it's like, Oh, can we be a part of it? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like this total shift of roles where I, I mean, I've, I've seen it in other people's families and it's, I know it's tough. Like, I know that that's going to be a tough one. And for, I, I, I have four kids, so I can't imagine like, it's so insane. Like from five thirty in the morning or six Till you know, then I go to work, and then when I come home, it like even though we put them to bed early, they you know they'll have reading time and maybe a little bit of iPad time and stuff, and then uh, they'll they'll be playing, and there's all kinds of craziness, and then trying to get them to go to bed, and then yeah. finally at like maybe nine thirty, it's finally quiet, and then it just it starts all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and I can't, I can't imagine going from that to like silence, like everybody's peace. We're out. Yeah, twenty four seven. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) and we've got a magnet that sticks on our fridge. It says it's just a phase, and but you know we we constantly remind ourselves that you know this seems like the worst, but it's just a phase, and we're going to be on the next one. But before long, that phase is going to be over, and you're going to be onto that yeah that empty house. And yeah, there's parts of you that really look forward to that, but then there's parts of you that just I mean it's kind of yeah kind of sad to think about yeah isn't that and then that's a good that's a good metaphor for how all life is it's like 
you're single, you want to be married. You're married, you want a yeah. little bit of alone time. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like there's, it's all kind of like a balance where it's like, you know, you could always say like, oh man, I, if I could just have a couple days without the kids so I can kind of get my bearings and stuff. And then, then you get your bearings or like, let's say you're away from them for a night or two. And then it's like, oh, I miss my kids. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I recently experienced, I went to a conference, you know, back in December. It was the first time in probably a couple of years that I've been, you know, away for, you know, more than 24 hours. And yeah, it's like the first, first night is like, this is going to be great. But then honestly, I crashed early because I could and, you know, I just enjoyed some peace and quiet. But then, yeah, by the time I was, you know, heading back to the airport, I was excited to get home and see him. And unfortunately, they're in bed, so I had to wait another night to see him. But yeah, it's, yep. yeah, absence makes your heart grow fonder. It's such a it true does. statement. So. It does. I do the, um, I go to FHL every year for the last few years. And, and, uh, so with four kids, it's very difficult. Like my wife doesn't really want me to go. And then they've gotten sick because that's like right after school starts. So somebody, I have a one in four chance that somebody's going to get sick and then spread it to everybody. Right. Or four times, whatever. Um, so some, they're all sick at, Every time. So like the first night is like, oh, like it's nice to have a bed. And then by the second day, it's like, you know, and I'm, and I go to bed early. I don't drink or do anything like that. So I, I, I like to go to bed early, go to bed early. And then like the second day I start feeling bad, like, you know, bad. And then I'm yeah. going to bed the next night. And I'm like, man, I just, when you, you go back to your hotel room, there's no one there. And then it's like, man, the, and you know, everybody's at home doing yeah. the whole home thing. And you're just like, man, I feel so guilty and bad. Like I wish I was there, but I'm glad I'm not the only one that has that experience. I, I <laughs> had a business trip. I mean, it's been a couple of years ago, but yeah, both, both kids got sick and the dog at the time got sick as well. And I, mean, I was in it, like I was getting delivery from whole foods to the house, with, like chicken noodle soup, just so like <laughs> I could help however I could. But yeah, yeah it, it seems to never fail that someone gets sick whenever I'm I'm gone. Oh, that much yeah. stress on the, my, my wife, wife gets and, so mad at me. Yeah. So mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> Last year well, I even went went home early, but I I didn't come home early enough, so I I got I got a talking to. That's for sure. Yeah, no. you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. It happens. I mean, I, I then again, I kind of don't blame her in the sense where it's like she's in the thick of it, so. I guess if I was, you know, if the roles were reversed, it'd be probably very similar. No, I re- recently had my, let her go on a beach weekend with her girlfriends and I, I had a full appreciation for yeah what she puts up with every day, all day for, because she left on a Friday and didn't get back till on Monday night. So I had them, I had to figure out how to put a, a bun in my daughter's hair to get her to ballet, <laughs> which was Probably one of the funniest text messages I got was, oh, yeah, you just need to put her in her, you know, leotard and whatever, but her hair needs to be in a bun. I'm like, bun, question mark? I have no idea what you're talking about. But I did get compliments from my mom there. I don't know if it was pity compliments because she saw the dad was there. <laughs> I really did <laughs> That's job, funny. But, yeah. That is funny. I think our empathy level as fathers is a little bit different than, than oh, you know, mom's empathy level. Like mom's, oh, for sure. man, you know, you got to give it to them for, being able to handle for what they handle, you know, they, they are definitely wired differently than, than we yeah. are. I believe. I mean, that's 100% that, that nurturing, you know, skill is not something that's natural for me. No, neither is it for me. Well, cool, man. I really appreciate you jumping on today. Um, so 
give me some some last minute advice for anybody that would be kind of in your shoes, um, maybe thinking of stepping out and investing some time into Twitter or just starting something, um, st- starting something on the internet. I, mean, I think just, I mean, the, the, the best advice that I can give is just do it. I mean, it, I, th- I was reading recently, Stephen Pressfield's, you know, the war of art. Um, and he talks about resistance yes. a lot. If you've read the book and like, if you're feeling resistance, if you're feeling fear that to me and to him, I mean, it says you're going in the right direction. So just keep moving forward, you know, overcome that fear, put yourself out there. I, I think Twitter for me is a really forgiving space to get into just because like I said, you start with zero followers. So you can put stuff out there and no one's, no one's seeing it, which is, can be a little depressing, but you know, it's a great way to start just to build that habit. And once you build that habit, start networking and building, you know, building community. It, it's, it's a really enjoyable space to go. And again, if you've got passions, I mean, if you add value to people's life, you know, money follows value and followers follow value. So just jump in, take action, start today. Don't, don't wait a year from now and wish you had started today. So. Right. Love it. Love it. Great advice. Eric, thank you for going the distance today. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, I'm assuming Twitter's the way to. Yeah, that's probably the best place <laughs> at Stage Three Finance. Um, you know, I'm working on a website right now. It's not. It, it's up. You can go to stage3finance.com. It's not really functional at this point, but you know that that that'll change sooner than later. Uh, again, you know, having a nine to five trying to build all this, I just trying to give myself you know grace and understand I can't do it all. So do, doing it as I can. But yeah, at Stage Three Finance on Twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of me. So awesome, love it, Eric. Thank you so right. much. Yeah, appreciate your time, Jason.